Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hi there. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. I am your host, and today is the 4th of July when you are listening to this. So, for those listeners who are in the US, happy Independence Day. I don't know if you're listening to this on your way to a barbecue or maybe traveling to see family, whatever it is, but it is a fun episode today. So, I am excited that you are here. If you're just joining us or if you missed my update episode a few back, this is actually going to be our last episode for a while, so I did want to say that in the introduction. We do have a plan and we are not quitting the podcast, so please make sure that you are subscribed so that you can keep up with what is going on. I am going to be honest, I am still praying through exactly what that looks like as far as if there will be something published between now and January of 2023. I'm thinking that there might be, but I'm also trying to really surrender and ask God what would be refreshing to me, what would be a good way for us to prepare for this season where we're going to be dipping into all of our reserves emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically, bringing a new life into the world, and what could be something that could also maybe bring life to you guys if I could make it happen before I have a baby. So minimum, we will see you guys here again in January 2023. I have already started recording the interviews for that season. So we're putting them in the bank and we will see you then. And then possibly we will have some other surprises for you along the way. So just make sure that you are subscribed and you will be in the know with everything going on with Heal and the Heal podcast. And then today on the show, we have Anmal Claremont, who has been my husband's friend for many years, and it has been such a joy for me to get to know her as my friend a little bit over the past couple months. She has an incredible personal story of God's provision in her health journey, as well as in her professional life. She is a PA who specializes in pain, so I think she brings a wonderful combination to the table today of her personal and professional experience, and I I loved this conversation, you guys. It is one where we cover some stuff I don't think that we really have so far on the Heal podcast. We talk a lot about the gift of prophecy. So if that is something that you're interested in, maybe it's something that you're hesitant towards, I want to give you that heads up where we just, like the introduction says, we want to come with an open mind. So whether that's something you're really familiar with and you're totally excited about, whether that's something that has hurt you in the past, and if it has, I'm really sorry. Uh, I think that you're going to enjoy this conversation and I think it could challenge you and I think that it will make you fall more in love with Jesus, which is the goal. So it is my absolute joy to introduce you to my wonderfully beautiful, authentic, intelligent friend, Anmal Claremont. Okay, well, Anmal, you are... My friend now, but you were connected to my husband. Actually, how how were you and Jake connected to my Jake Jacob, who goes by Jacob right. now instead of Jake? How did y'all connect in college? So we were part of Chi Alpha, which is a Christian campus ministry um, at Montana State University, and um, so I knew Jake, your Jake, 
through Kaiapa and it was through ministry and through that community. Awesome. And where are you now? Because you just moved, right? So you went from Montana to where to where? So we moved from Montana to Minnesota to go through school. And then we, we worked there for a couple of years or for a few years. And then we moved to North Carolina just a couple of months ago. And it has been a great transition, huh? It has. It definitely has. All of the, all of everything that comes along with transition and change. Yeah. Will you tell people a little bit, maybe your background? I know this is like the typical interview, but maybe weird facts or a little bit of normal facts about your life, just so people could get to know you a little bit. Definitely. So right now I am crazy about my daughter, my 10 month old, uh, little Rayma Grace. She is so great. Um, And I love, I love the outdoors. I love hiking. I grew up in India and was part of Youth with a Mission for most of my life. And I'm actually like, my parents are still involved with Youth with a Mission. So I love that organization. Yeah, but that's a little bit about me. Okay. How long were you in India when you say you grew up there? I moved here when I was 17. Okay. So you really, your whole childhood was there. Right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And then, but are you culturally Indian or you like, it sounds kind of like your parents were missionaries with YWAM. Right. So I grew up in YOM in India. And so yes, I grew up culturally Indian. We traveled a lot throughout India because my parents were base directors um, in northern India. And so they did a lot of teaching and ministering and I traveled with them. And growing up, though, I went to a YWAM school. So a lot of my friends and teachers were from America. And so Mm -hmm. when I learned English, it was through them. And that's so I, I don't sound like I'm Indian because of because of that. Right. But were your parents Indian before working in YWAM? Yes. I'm yes. trying to put all the pieces together. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So my parents are both Indian. But yeah, they're, they're 100% Indian. My my mom is from Kerala, which is all the way down south. And then my mm-hmm. dad is from Hyderabad, which is like south central India. Mm-hmm. And they both met in YWAM. Okay. And were they Christians their whole lives or did they become Christians? Because that's not oh. as common in India, right? Right. So no, it's not. There's only 2% from my statistics from a while ago, 2% of Indians are Christians. My parents were both Christians before. My mom, she grew up in a very legalistic kind of like Christian church. And she has a whole story that goes with her. Mm-hmm. And and my dad grew up also in a Christian family. So they met with YWAM years into their ministry. Okay. I'm curious because you actually really do have the background. It's not just like, oh, this is my heritage. Like you really did live there for a while. Right. What is your perspective on health, disease, pain from a Christian perspective versus a Hindu perspective? And I don't know if you can say that obviously respectfully, but what what are the differences you see there? Because I'm not, we don't get to talk to people about that very often. So I think it's interesting. Right. So it's interesting because I would say that there's more of a religious faith-based perspective hit like in, in the Hindu faith and religion towards pain hmm. and the whole like movement towards Western medicine. That's kind of a recent thing, a recent movement. We have incredible medicine in India, like Ayurvedic medicine that is ancient. Like it goes back mm-hmm. thousands of years and they use a lot of herbal holistic medical knowledge that's been passed down through the generations. And so I think that they have a lot of really good insight, really good wisdom within that medical system. Mm -hmm. And it's very different from the Western 
medical system and the Western perspective of pain. Yeah. Well, so before we hit record, we're talking just about life and things. And you talk about, it seems like you have the holistic perspective, although I think you would say that your job is technically within Western medicine, right? That is so is that kind of how you bridge those two is you, you've seen that growing up and then came into more the Western side over here? Right. So I grew up with more of the holistic, more of the Ayurvedic, like practices of medicine, just, you know, like things that were passed down to me by my grandmother and my mother. And then coming over here to the States and going through the Western schooling system, that is very different. Like, I think I had one class in Ayurvedic medicine or like the different treatments worldwide. And so what I do right now is very like far removed from what like Ayurvedic medicine would practice. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do? And how did you come into that? How did God stir up that passion in you? So I grew up wanting to like my passion really is is wanting to work with, um, especially with the children in the streets and the slums of India, like that is something that my parents worked a lot with with that population with the poorest of the poor in India. So I always like had this heart to help them. Like I was like, I want to do something. I want to start a school. I want to start a hospital or something like that. And I was just from a very young age watching my parents take care and they started a school for the children in the slum that we live next to. And so growing up, I kind of like moved my uh, career several times that, you know, I went from wanting to be a teacher to being a doctor to, to several things. And when I came to the States, I originally went to, so I went to community college first and that was to become a teacher. Okay. And then as I was like, so as I was in classes, I, I had a job where I needed to, it was in a daycare and I needed to get a CPR class. Mm-hmm. So on my way, like as I was going through that class, I, I realized that I loved medicine and loved the science. Wow. It. And so that's when I, it just kind of hit me. And I was like, I think I want to go into medicine because I, I love this stuff. And so that's when I made the switch to into medicine. Through a CPR class. I know, right? Of all things, like I was full blown going to be a teacher and then a CPR class changed my trajectory. That is crazy. Because being a teacher, yeah. I did have to take those every year. And oh, you did? Okay, right. Yeah. Right. Wow. How cool yeah. is God? How he stirs up things in our hearts. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are now a PA. Is that correct? That is correct. With a specialization in pain. I don't want to mess up your credentials here, your titles. Yeah. So it's in, it's in neurology and pain management. Okay. So what does that look like typically? What are you doing day to day and how are you helping people? So I see patients that struggle with, for for the majority, it's chronic pain. So they've typically been through the entire medical system. They've tried treatments several kinds of treatments and it's not touching their pain. So they were kind of their last resort in managing their pain. And it could be anything from, from back pain, knee pain, leg pain, abdominal pain, chronic headaches. We see a lot of headaches. And so the, and then the neurological component comes in where we see things like MS, autoimmune disorders, seizures, epilepsy, especially a lot of headaches. So, so yeah, so that's a neurological component that we see. Yeah. So when people come in and they're like, I've been to doctors for 10, 20 years, what are you going to do for me? I mean, as you with your training, I mean, just because I'm not in this field, I'm like, what do you what do you do with that? How do you help people? Do you try to look at all the components of their lives holistically? Because we know that matters. Or are you trying to find something physically that 10 years of doctors have missed? What goes through your head when someone walks in? Right. So there's a lot that goes behind pain, right? So 
unfortunately, like with Western medicine, we only look at one aspect of pain. And that is, okay, what is pathologically wrong with you? Like, do you have a fracture? Do you have something that's going on? With abdominal pain, it can be a little more, like I've had patients who have had intense abdominal pain, who have been through OBGYNs and have had multiple treatments and nothing's worked and they come to us for certain kind of spinal cord stimulators that we can put in. Mm -hmm. But that, again, is only looking at one part because a lot of my patients that I see have pain from trauma Mm -hmm. in their life. And that is something that I really have a passion about that part. Like we're not addressing that in our Mm -hmm. clinics. And it's a huge part of the population. I'd say the majority of my patients have trauma of some sort. Have you read the mind body prescription? I've not. I've only I've have read, you heard of it. I haven't. I've, I've read the body keeps a score, but not the mind body. Okay, similar. It's a, it's about chronic back pain. Okay. But we actually had a gal on who talks a lot more about it. So I'll just link her episode in the show notes if people are like, wait, talk more. But telling you if that's what you're interested in, it is mind blowing about how trauma, you know, just plays itself out very similar to body keeps a score in our body, but kind of taking people yeah. through a process of how to break that cycle and the pathways in their brain and stuff. It is fascinating. Okay. That's good to know. I will, I will look that up. Yeah. And I, I passionate about it too, because my mother, she went through a lot of trauma in her childhood, mm. a lot of um, sexual abuse and, from a very young age. And like I said, she grew up in a Christian family, but there was this dichotomy of abuse and legalism kind of going on within mm. the family. So she had this trauma growing up that she, like, there was no way to talk about it or there was no support around her. So from a very young age, she started experiencing chronic pain. And I remember as a little girl seeing her suffer and trying to figure out, like, how I could help her. Mm. And she really, she struggled a lot. It wasn't anything that she did. It was things that were done to her that now her body was expressing in other ways. Yeah. But then I've also seen that even with the pain that she experienced, I've seen the redeeming aspect of how she partnered with God to flip the script. Hmm. And it's been a very long journey. It's not easy. It is very difficult, but there is redemption. Like God can bring beauty out of that pain and that trauma. And he can create something far greater than we ever imagined could come out of that trauma. Yeah. I'm like, does she want to come on the podcast? It sounds like she she has quite the story as well. Yeah, she really does. She would actually, she would be great because she's actually suffered from chronic pain because of trauma. So, and she's experienced redemption. And so, yeah, she, she would be perfect. Wow. But sounds like too, she had an open relationship with you at some point as you were growing up to walk through that. And I think that's really beautiful too. And I, as I'm walking into parenthood, I know you're still, you know, your child's less than a year old, fairly new. Like that's like, wow, how do I do that with my kids? You know, let them into those tough places, but obviously not in an unhealthy way and at at certain times and all of that. But I mean, based on how you speak about her and your relationship, it sounds like she did a great job at discerning that. She did. And she was very honest with me. And, and, and like you said, she, she did it in a way where I was able to understand from like for my age, she never gave me more information than I was able to handle. But as I grew up, she was always honest whenever I asked questions. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of saw her journey and she allowed me to be part of that journey with her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm also curious in your work being someone who loves Jesus, I assume it's kind of like, as I was a teacher, I could do some things, but there's, there's a lot of legal stuff and you can't proselytize and things like that. So coming from that perspective, are you allowed to share any of your faith? Is that just something that comes out in your actions? Like, how do you see that playing out in your job working with people who are in 
chronic pain all the time? Mm -hmm. That's a really great question. And that's something that I've been trying to figure out myself in terms of, okay, like, how am I the light of Jesus to these patients who clearly like, there's so much more like medicine can only do so much. And at some point, um, I've just come to the realization that, okay, my license is my license. And if I lose my license because of sharing the love of Jesus, then so be it. And that's Mm -hmm. something that Jake, my husband has also, he's a physician assistant, and he prays with patients all the time. He's like, and, and it really is feeling the spirit move, like, so I don't do it with every patient. It's just patients that I really feel like they want help, like they they need something more than just medication. And Mm -hmm. if I feel the spirit move, then I will ask them, like ask if I can pray with them or ask if they go to church and and share some of my story with them. So it really is a very organic thing that comes out as I feel God move or speak. And it's really just based on the situation and the patient. But I, I do like to be, I do like to take that step, that spiritual step and kind of provide that support to them so that they can like grab onto it and be like, okay, there's more than just medication. Like yeah. I can't go to God for my pain. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we try to cover with our ministry is the spiritual side mm-hmm. because it's, it's, is so divorced from the physical side, I think largely, but man, it would be so cool if we could actually address this together. And I mean, I don't feel like Arlene is talking about the physical actually, like you should do this treatment or that treatment. I mean, I think Arlene is to talk about the spiritual side, but I just love, I love what you're doing because I think we're not just people who are purely physical or purely mental or purely it's it's all of it. So Mm -hmm. I love that. It is. And it's interesting to see how there's a huge um, spiritual component to pain. And my patients who have a community who have a strong faith in the Lord, I see that they do a lot better because they have that attitude mm-hmm. that there is something greater than my pain and they're constantly focused outward instead of inward. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see the difference in, in the levels of pain between those patients who do have that versus who don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't prep you for this, but I'm just curious for being who you are and what you specialize in professionally, if someone, I mean, obviously most people listening have some kind of pain issue that they're struggling with. Are there any like tips or I don't know even how to phrase the question because I don't know what would be put in your mind or things that you would tell someone, maybe it's encouragement or maybe it's like, Hey, you could, you know, evaluate this in your life or anything like that, that you would kind of tell patients that could apply to people who might be struggling with a broad range of pain? Right. I would say to evaluate, there are so many reasons for your pain, like whether it is from trauma or emotional abuse or physical abuse, or, and then if there has been no trauma and it's, it's pathological and you've been to doctor after doctor, there is only so much that medicine itself can do. And I would say that you really have more power within yourself than you Mm -hmm. realize. And so don't give up hope because like you've been through the medical system and there's no answers. There are answers like outside of traditional medicine as well. Yeah. Oh, so good. I wholeheartedly agree. Okay. Before we move on, I want to go into your personal story a bit. Is there anything on professionally that you would want to share with people and just your knowledge of all of that, that we didn't really talk about on that? Uh, not at this point. I think we covered. Okay. So moving into your story, Anma, tell us a little bit about how things started with the PCOS and 
that whole journey and we'll get more. I know there's some really fun specifics in here, but how did that start? Right. So I growing up always had irregular periods and that was just from the get go. It was something that I never, I never had regular periods. And my doctors always told me that it was because I was underweight and they weren't really worried about it because um, I got like about three periods a year. And, you know, that's kind of the minimum that you want to have. And I personally, I mean, what, what woman likes periods, right? Like, yeah. Are you going to complain <laughs> right, exactly. about that? Like, I, was oh, like, I don't care. Okay, great. I don't have periods. That's fine. So I go through my, you know, my teenagers just happy. And then after getting married and um, still was okay with it. But then once we started to try to have children, that's when I was like, oh, wait, I do need to know. Like, it's just a lot harder to figure out how to get pregnant when you, when you don't know when you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I really started to... Um, and I had been going to doctors prior to this, but that's when I really wanted to get some answers as to why I was having such irregular periods. Yeah. And so when you went, what did they end up telling you? So then I went to several doctors and finally one of them got an ultrasound. And it was weird because I was not the normal typical presentation for PCOS because what PCOS is, is a hormonal imbalance within the hypothalamus and pituitary axis. And so somewhere along the way, there is some kind of imbalance. No one really knows the actual cause for PCOS and it presents in a very typical fashion. And I was an atypical presentation of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it went undiagnosed for so long. So finally, when this doctor ordered an ultrasound and uh, they, I I remember being in the room when the ultrasound technician, she put the probe in and then I could see the screen and the classic presentation of PCOS is it's called pearls on a string which is basically cysts within your ovaries and it looks like pearls on a string. Hmm. And so I saw it and my heart sank and I was like, I got PCOS because that's exactly what it looks like. Hmm. And so that's when I got officially diagnosed Hmm. with PCOS and polycystic ovarian syndrome. Am I close? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Okay. So that's when I was diagnosed, but really there isn't an actual treatment. Like there are like hormonal therapies and, there's ways to regulate your periods with birth control, but I, I wanted to get pregnant, mm-hmm. not, you know, not, not get pregnant. So birth control wasn't going to help me. And there really isn't a treatment for PCOS. So what is going through your mind, your identity as a woman, your desire to be a mother, all of that. And now you're being told, actually, maybe you can't conceive at all. What did that look like emotionally? And what did that look like with your relationship with God in that time? Right. So it was hard because growing up, I always wanted to be a mother. And and it was never a thought that I'd ever have trouble getting pregnant. Like I I never, ever considered that a possibility. And I don't think most women do. I think most, Mm -hmm. you know, at least for me, I was like, I'm going to be able to get pregnant. I'm going to be able to be a mother one day. And so once I got diagnosed with PCOS and I realized, wow, I could actually have a hard time getting pregnant or could be infertile because PCOS caused, you know, you can be infertile with, with that diagnosis. And so that was hard for me to digest, to actually be like, okay, this is an actual possibility. But then when I went to the Lord with it, he reminded me of his faithfulness. Like that was the big thing is I look back and saw that he was faithful in my life over and over again. And he reminded me that he was going to be faithful again, whether that looked like me getting pregnant Mm. or me having children through adoption or whatever. Like I didn't know what the situation would turn out to be, but he reminded that he would be faithful like he had always been faithful. Mm, so good. Okay. So moving forward, you did struggle for a bit, right? To have kids. I did. Yeah. So we tried for over a year. Mm-hmm. And then is that when you went to the church and had the word, when did that 
happen or right take us chrono- I'm trying to go chronologically but. yes so uh, yeah so we had tried for a while and then we had just moved to this new church that we absolutely loved and adored and then they they were really heavily focused on prophetic words and prophecy and so at our church's 50th year anniversary celebration we went to the service and wait, they wait, had pause. oh yes so did you had you been exposed to prophetic giftings and words before I guess Chi Alpha they do some of that right yes yes they do not all Christians have been so I'm curious what your history was going into this right so at Chi Alpha they definitely have prophetic words and it's really powerful and then also in YWAM growing up I was exposed to the prophetic word and through the, like to the Holy Spirit through prophecy. And mm-hmm. I've had both good and bad experiences with prophecy because it can be like my father says, sometimes it, like just depending on the person, you know, it can be a shout like an inch deep and a mile wide in terms of the depth, yeah. but sometimes it can be amazing. Right. So, so having both good and bad experiences, I, I think sometimes I tend to be a little more skeptical mm-hmm. with prophecy. And that's what happened with this prophecy that we got yeah. um, at so in that, just I'm trying to think because p- some people listening, maybe I'm assuming some people do not have this in their church at all. They haven't really experienced it or they've only experienced something bad. And then there might be someone listening who maybe is new to the faith and they're like, what is prophecy? Is that like the prophets and you're predicting the future? So how would you describe prophecy before we get in into this word, which I think is amazing, but just giving people a little bit of a background, because I'm not sure that we've had a whole conversation about the specific gift of prophecy on this podcast before? Yeah, that's a really great question. I, I think I would say that prophecy is is the Lord speaking to his people through his people. And it can be about anything that you want to talk about. And and I would say it's usually like things that you normally wouldn't know about. So like the Lord telling you mm-hmm. certain things about, about yourself or certain things in the future. or But usually the purpose of prophecy, I would say, is for the glory of God. It's not just to edify someone and lift them up. Exactly. To edify someone. It's never to bring someone down. It's never to shame someone. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think that you know that it's from the Lord when it serves its purpose. Yeah. Like sometimes I think if it is coming in a condemning way, then that's probably not a great outpouring of the gift of prophecy. Exactly. Because that's not edifying the body, which is what the gifts are supposed to be for. Exactly. Exactly. Our church is walking into this a lot more as well. And it's I think it's amazing how they're walking into it, but they're like, you know, we would love it if every person in our church prophesied, but there also has to be room to practice and room for error and room to trust that the person who is receiving is going to pray about this word and see if that is something that God confirms to them, that we're not just taking it as the word of God without testing it at all. And yet I think people are going to see with the example, and this is why I love it and why I'm trying to set it up when it's spot on. It is amazing. And you you know, it's from the Lord and it can be some of the most powerful. There's a reason I think he gave us this gift in the church. Yes, exactly. It is. It is incredible because prophecy can break through barriers that normally you can never break through, like barriers that people have, like, because the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit Mm -hmm. and, and it just pierces right through the heart of what's going on. And God uses prophecy in that way. Yeah. Divides marrow from flesh or whatever that verse is. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, speaking of which, I know what your daughter's name means. If people, is it is it Greek or Hebrew? It's Greek. Okay, yeah. So anyway, okay, I'm not going to ruin it. Keep going with the story. Yeah. 
So we go to this 50th year anniversary celebration and the founding pastor was there and he shared a word. We had never met him before. His name is Fred Herzog. And he was there. He's 80 some years old. He had just had hip surgery recently. So he was like hobbling with this little walker and it was the cutest little thing. Like he was there even when he was in pain. And um, after the service, I wanted to go up and speak with him because his stories were like the stories of Acts. They were amazing. And so Jake and I, we go up and we tell, like we introduce ourselves and we're like, I just really want to hear some more stories from you. So he shares us some more stories. And then after he shares, I say, I would love for you to pray for us. And then I ask him, is it okay if we record your prayer? So he's like, absolutely, you can record my prayer. And then he says, now it might get a little wild. And he's like, because you never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Mm-hmm. And so and so then he starts praying in tongues. And he starts praying in tongues for a few seconds. And then he asks me a question. He says, you've been wanting children. And I say, yes. And he says, the Lord's going to give you children. And then he says, you're going to get pregnant 30 days from your next period. Hmm. And then he goes on to pray for Jake. Like that was all he said. You're, you're going to get pregnant 30 days from your next period. And then he just proceeds like he didn't say anything crazy. For a woman's cycle, that is not normal. I mean, that's the whole thing with the PCOS is you have no idea what your cycle is going to do. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And a normal, that's that's a very good point. A normal reproductive cycle, you ovulate. Like day 14 or something. Exactly. So you ovulate day 14 after your period. And that's when you're most likely to get pregnant is two weeks after your period. And um, Mm -hmm. so when he said 30 days after your period, I was like, first of all, that's not even how the reproductive cycle works. You know? So (laughs) So I'm curious if he knew anything about the reproductive or if he's just like so in tune with the spirit that he's just like saying what he hears. And yeah, you know, because I could see if I'm like praying over someone, I would be like 30 days. Wait, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That can't happen, you know, and just totally psych myself out. And he was just in the spirit, I think. Exactly. And he was speaking to two medical professionals, right? So, so I knew, okay, like that's not even how the medical cycle works. So for me, honestly, I was a little skeptical. I was like, okay, 30 years from next year. Like that's so specific. I've never had a word that specific mm-hmm. and it's risky. Like that is a yeah. risky word to give someone. Yep. Um. So in my mind, I said, okay, let's see what happens. But Honestly, I was not on the positive mm-hmm. side of that. So holding it loosely, like yeah, holding it loosely because I didn't want to be disappointed, and yeah. I didn't want to like be like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen, and then it not happen because we had been trying and had been mm-hmm. going through the process. So, um, so now this was August sixteenth when this happened. I have the the recording of that, mm-hmm. and with me not knowing when my periods were, I didn't know when my next period was going to be. So my next period turns out it was October 11th. And I remember October 11th, my period started and Jake was the one who was like, oh, your period, like 30 days from now is is your birthday. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. I hadn't even really thought about the prophecy when I told him that my period started. Mm-hmm. He and clearly had held on to it a little he bit. Clearly, yeah. So Jake was 100% like on board. He, he, he 100% believed it. Wow. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, so if I'm going to get pregnant three days from my next period, I was thinking according to the medical model and I was thinking, okay, so maybe I'll actually get pregnant two weeks after my period and it'll show up in the pregnancy test two weeks after that, which is 30 mm-hmm. days from my period. So I was interpreting it that way. It's like, I love the control, <laughs> honesty, right? Of like our flesh. So you're like, okay, well, this is what I know. And so this is clearly how it's going to happen. Exactly, right? I know. So I'm like, okay, so if this is going to happen, then I'm going to get pregnant two weeks later. And then I'll take a pregnancy test three days later. And that should be positive. So I took a pregnancy test around November 11th. And it was negative. 
So I was like, yep, I know it. It it was not from the Lord. Yep. Right. So then I just like threw out the pregnancy test. I was like, okay, look, we're just going to move on now. Then three weeks after that, though, around three weeks after that, I started feeling a little strange. And I came back home from work and I was like, honey, I think I have worms in my stomach. Now, disclaimer, the only reason I have this great fear about worms is because I grew up in India. And for some reason, growing up in India, like having worms was like the biggest fear of my existence was I'm going to get worms someday. So yeah. I've read The Gift of Pain, Dr. Paul Brand's uh-huh. book. Uh-huh. He, he worked in India and he grew up, his parents would like, yeah, anyways, like get the worms out of people. I would be terrified too. Exactly. Right. So that was one of my greatest fears. And so I come home and like, I think I have worms because I feel like I have worms. And then Jake immediately says, take a pregnancy test. And I was like, I'm not pregnant. Like, this is something else. And he was like, like, don't get my hopes up again. Yeah, I was 100% sure that I was not pregnant. And he was like, just take the test. Just take it for me. And I was like, fine, I'll take the test. So I take the test. And like, you're supposed to leave it for a few minutes. And like, I go and do something else. And then Jake was the one who goes back into the bathroom. And he looks at the test. And he's like, what does this mean? And I come back in. And I I stare at the test. And it was positive. Hmm. And I was absolutely just speechless because I did not think that I was pregnant at all. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know how normally it's the woman who surprises the guy with yeah. the pregnancy? I felt like it was Jake surprising me. <laughs> because- did you know that happened to us too? No, I did not. Yeah. What happened? Because I told you, I was really trying to address some stomach stuff. Yeah. And so I had just started one more round of like a natural detox, but trying to get rid of some candida and stomach infection. And so I just wasn't even thinking that at all. And I I did. I had this like, okay, well, whenever we do get pregnant, like I'll have a way to announce it to him and all this stuff. And I don't remember what it was. I don't know if I was feeling funny or if I just knew my period was late. I think it was a few days, but I'm not super consistent on that. So then Jacob was like, well, why don't you go take a pregnancy test? And I, it was like for, <laughs> kind of same thing. And I was like, whatever. And so I literally like went upstairs. I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like this <laughs> is ridiculous. Uh-huh. And so he says he can like tell my attitude based on how I walk and he was like waiting downstairs and I like just came like shuffling back into the kitchen oh. and he's like you're pregnant <laughs> I, like, oh my gosh. I did not surprise him at all either <laughs> wow isn't that so crazy because you were 100% sure that you're not pregnant and you wanted to prove I was like, it that's wrong. ridiculous yeah, yeah. and I also <laughs> I think was just like well with my stuff and I had taken ovulation and it, like we didn't think I was ovulating. So kind of these health things that you're trying to put together. I was like, well, that just, I don't think that would happen. So yeah, exactly. And he was, he was like, you should take a pregnancy test. And you were like, no, I don't need to. And then you come back. I and like, 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 fine. I will go prove you wrong. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. And he's like, yep, I told you you're pregnant. Yep. <laughs> I mean, of course he's like so happy. Cause he like, didn't want to be disappointed, you know, but if, that's something he, very much wanted and then he's like oh my gosh oh my gosh that is so funny that that happened to you as well it's it's yes it's kind of like like the holy spirit dropped it into their hearts like she's pregnant you should tell them the pregnancy test because i feel like if jake didn't tell me i would not have taken a pregnancy test i probably wouldn't have either i mean of course eventually i would have but right exactly so that was really funny how that happened and so i was like speechless for several minutes and then I took a pregnancy test again the next day just to be positive and and I was really pregnant like it was even like stronger so it's crazy because then I went from for my first ultrasound and the ultrasound technician she said 
based on your last menstrual period, because she's going off of the normal menstrual cycle, right, where you typically get pregnant about two weeks after your period. So based on my last menstrual period, she said, you know, you should be 10 weeks pregnant, but you're actually six weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's right. I'm six weeks pregnant because six weeks ago was 30 days from my last menstrual period. So she dated the pregnancy literally to around November 11th, which is 30 days around my after my last menstrual period. Wow. Which was so wild to me because that was the last, like, God being like, see, I told you. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like God showing off, being like, I like, I s- told you my word. I gave you my word and look what I can do. Like, I will bring mm-hmm. my word to fruition 100%. Like, It's, just, it's just nuts. Like, I have goosebumps multiple times because, oh, just so many aspects of it. Okay, did you go back and tell the man who gave you the word? So, yes, we did. Yeah. So after that ultrasound, uh, we called Fred Herzog and we're like, you will not believe what happened. And so then he's probably like, of course. Yeah. He's like, God told me. (laughs) And so we went out to dinner with him and his wife and, and he told us from his end, he was like, you know, it's really risky giving a word to a woman when they're going to get pregnant or when they're going to get married. Like those are two big things that are like really risky, but it was so cool to have dinner with him because he was just like, yeah, God told me. And so I, I, told you that word and he was amazing because he and his wife they have an amazing ministry of years and years of of really seeking the face of the lord and so it was amazing to just like have that impact you know just to kind of cross people that live that life yeah well we're talking a lot about gifts right now at our church and certain things and we just did a, a training on healing which was incredible i hope they put it on the podcast if they do maybe i'll link it here for people but it was a great topic of that but he's talking specifically about how the gift of miraculous healing is one of the only gifts where there's so much pressure like if someone prays for you and you are not healed it's like god's not good he doesn't whereas like we don't do that with the gift of teaching if we if someone has a bad sermon we're just like oh well you know you win some you lose some that was that one wasn't super great just keep practicing you know and so with prophecy as well though i think there's something to be said for practicing and being in tune with the spirit and I think Fred is his name right yes it sounds like as you know even what you said based on the stories he was sharing he had just such a lifetime of faithfulness and practicing and putting that in that he was able to share something that specific with you whereas like that's probably not I mean I don't know where you are with the gift of prophecy but it's probably not something you or I are going to go up to someone and risk and trust that because that is something that I mean you could end up giving someone that experience where they're like and that person was crazy and said it was God you know, right. But he did it over so long. It sounds like right. that he had the confidence to say, this is the Lord's voice and I'm going to be faithful. Yes, exactly. And that's so true because he had lived that life. So giving a word like that, it was like God could trust him with that word to give to give us that word. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that prophecy, we would never have had this whole experience, you know, like God used it yeah. in such a powerful way. And one thing I loved about our church is our head pastor, Pastor Kent Norell. He also lived a life of missions and he was the YWAM director in the Dominican Republic for like 25 years and then came to pass the church. And he was very intentional about fostering a community of prophecy. So he invited people to have like prophetic conferences and events and to practice, like you said, like, mm-hmm. you know, prophecy is not something that you're going to get 
100% right all the time. And you've got to practice it and yeah. be willing to take risk. And so having that culture inculcated by him and, and then having, you know, Fred Herzog. So just having people of God being willing to take mm-hmm. that risk yeah, and be used by God through it. Oh, it's just I, I know some people listening because how I feel is like, man, I want to practice more because like how cool if, if you could be the person giving a word like that. But hey, that is from my perspective where I am now, that is scary. Right. Right. To trust that that is God and not me. But again, when it's God, when it's something you're like, I had never met this guy before. There's literally no way he could have possibly known it. Then from your perspective, it's like, gosh, God, you are insane. And then and then the glory goes back to God. And that's the way the gift should work. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. Because all of this was for the glory of God. And you know how in that story in the Bible where they ask, why was this man born blind? And Jesus says it's for the glory of God. And that's the Mm -hmm. whole thing with PCOS. I feel like if I didn't have PCOS, it wouldn't have been as, I mean, like God used it to bring himself glory. And, you know, and he used it Mm -hmm. to show me his faithfulness and show so many other people his faithfulness and his goodness. Amen. Okay, what else in the story? Well, I guess her name. I don't know what I'm missing. So keep keep going with whatever you want to share. Yeah. So then we were with figuring out her name. Rama means the spoken word of God, and it's Greek for the spoken word of God. And it was just so fitting because God mm-hmm. spoke to us and told us exactly when we were going to get pregnant. And I think it also it just goes to show how mm-hmm. um, how God has chosen all of us before the foundations of the world, like we were in his mind, just like Rayma was in his mm-hmm. mind. And he knew how she was going to be born. Like each one of us have that, like we were in God's yeah. mind before we were even a thought in our parents' mind. So I think it's just a powerful testimony of how, of how God loves each one of us so much. Yeah. Well, and how amazing to be able to tell her like what a prophetic name as she grows right. up. Like, oh, mom, what does my name mean? Where does this come from? And you get to share that story with her. Exactly. Yeah. How awesome. Right. Okay. Also, did you know that there was a prophetic thing with our baby as well? I did not. Not to not to that extent, I will say. I did not know. what. what But I'm like, I should just share this because people are probably interested in this topic right now listening. Yes. So there was, we are walking into the gift of prophecy as a church. And so for the prayer team specifically, which my husband and I are on, we just did a training and again, it was low pressure and people were recording it. Um, but they had three, I think volunteers go up to receive prophetic words from people who are on the prayer team. So this is just like outside of a church gathering. Okay. Uh, and then, so Jacob, now I'm, I'm always calling him Jacob because of the <laughs> Jacob, <laughs> went up as one of the people. And so we recorded it and there was a lot of people just sharing different things that they felt like for him. And so I was pregnant at this point, but hadn't told, I mean, most people there and was not showing at all and didn't know the gender. Uh And so one of the gals said, she was like, just the first thing I saw, I just like, I heard a little girl laughing and I saw a field of yellow flowers, like buttercups. Um, or daffodils. I think it was buttercups and it's been like changed in our minds to daffodils since then. Yellow flowers is the point. Yeah. And uh-huh. it was really crazy for me because I had always assumed I was going to have boys. I don't know why. I just felt like I'm an eight on the Enneagram and God made me strong and I can handle boys. And I don't know what I would do with a really dramatic girl anyway. So that's clearly what's going to happen. Uh-huh. And it really allowed us because we got in the car and Jacob's like, huh, maybe because the the girl who spoke that didn't know I was pregnant. Oh, and so, wow. you know, like to be 
kind of a bizarre word to give someone. Like, I'm going to give this man a little girl laughing with a field of yellow flowers. Oh, right? gosh. That is, like, that is so, like, out of left field. Yes. But she said it. Yeah. And so Jacob's like, well, maybe it's a girl. And so then a few months later, of course, we Jacob was doing a half marathon and it was supposed to be at a tulip festival and none of the tulips had bloomed, but the daffodils had. And they weren't huge, oh. fields, but that's actually where we ended up doing our gender reveal that it was actually a girl. Um, but I felt like it was so beautiful because I got to process with God, like what that means, like with my own insecurities, with my personality and different things to be the mom of a daughter. And I was so convinced I like I painted my nails pink. I, like I knew like once people were like, oh, the daffodils are going to have blooms. I was like, oh, it's that word. It is that word. It's a girl. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Like it is. I want people to see the gift of prophecy. And to be honest, there, I think there were a few other words probably spoken that either we haven't seen or, you know, just didn't hit the mark and that's okay. Right. That's okay. Exactly. It's totally okay. Fine. Because we're not living or dying by certain words. And I think as long as it edifies you and as long as it is an encouragement mm-hmm. and when these words do take place, you see that the Lord does move in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't do anything with a name. We're like Daffodil. Well, I guess it was Buttercup. Daphne. Don't know that I like that name. <laughs> so we're not really doing anything with the name, but I thought about just having something like a picture of Buttercups or Daffodils in her nursery or something as yeah. just as this little Ebenezer yeah, like I want her to know that God knew before we knew your gender. I mean, and of course he knew. He knows from the moment of conception, like who this child is and what their gender is and who they're supposed to be and what's going to happen in their lives. But very similar to your story, it's just like, wow, like he knew. I don't know why it seems so crazy to be like, but he is. like he knew the whole time and cared enough to tell me so I could pray through some of my own issues <laughs> like yeah, exactly and yeah and to show you that he took delight in that you know and wanting yeah. to share with you like you're going to have a little girl and I'm in the process all the way from the very beginning and like I think that's just so powerful because it, it shows the intimate part of God where yeah. he, he wants to share things with us you know mm-hmm. he's not like this distant person so I think that's so beautiful yeah I'm just like falling in love with the gift of prophecy again because I will say I have been hurt by the gift of prophecy as well. Like I've seen it done really poorly. And yet, gosh, when we're using it correctly and surrendered to the Lord, like, look how edifying this can be to people. And, you know, maybe this isn't something that I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not open to it in my own time with the Lord. I'm not hearing from God and someone just speaks that and... Yeah. Oh, I just am like, okay, guys, yeah. like, let's figure out how to do this in a healthy way right. and accept each other's mistakes because it's so, it's so, powerful. it's so great. Yeah. And then, and to have like your daughter's going to have that story where, where God spoke of her to you before, before you even mm-hmm. knew that she was, and that girl didn't even know that you were pregnant at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Rayma. I mean, is there anything, I mean, obviously you have her now. She's doing great. Uh, Oh, yes. So, yes. So she is, like, every time I say her name, it's just, like, there are times when I think of her name and it's so powerful just to think of, wow, like, why she's named Rhema and the spoken word of God. It's just amazing to 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 see how God is so intentional with us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's so optimistic like I I look at how terrible the world can be and for me I'm like man God is so up op- like he is so good and so optimistic that he continuously gives us children 
and he sees goodness even when there is so much going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And and so that gives me hope to see that God sees hope you know? Yeah, absolutely. And just these things, it's like, he didn't need to tell you when, when you were going to get pregnant, it would have happened anyway. Yeah. But like, how awesome. He didn't need to tell me that we were having a girl, but he cares that specifically. That's, that is what is so mind blowing. The God of the universe cares enough to be like, actually, I'm going to do this just like for your good and my glory because I can and because I love you. And right. Exactly. And he takes that time to be that intentional with you. Like even if it seems so minute, but it is actually a huge deal. And he has got so much to, you know, to care about, but he cares about us so much that he's willing to, you know, to be that intentional yeah. with us. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us where you are now. I know that you would like to have more kids. I think you still have PCOS. What does yeah, that look so, like? Yeah. Um, so we're 10 months in and we would love to have more children. And when he said the prophecy, he said that God will give you children. Mm. And so we're praying about multiple children. And yeah, so we will see. We'll see how how God moves and leads. Yeah, I just love it, though, because I mean, this is a limitation in your body. And you're just walking through it one step at a time with the Lord. I'm sure there have been you know, we didn't even talk about, well, what does that look like to try for a year and the frustration and the pain of that? So I know there there is a lot of pain in the journey as well, but I just, your testimony is so beautiful. Yeah. With like in the middle of the pain, I think that God is so good that he's able to use that pain. He never causes the pain. He never creates the pain, but because we live in a fallen world, pain is just a natural a natural byproduct of the mm-hmm. fallen world, but God is good enough that he's able to take that pain and flip it and create goodness out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. I'm loving this so much, but I know that you got to go get your little girl. So yes. is there anything that we didn't cover things that you want to talk about, or it, it can be totally unrelated that you'd like to share before we hang up? I think that you're doing an amazing job, Tara, with this podcast, with the the Heal podcast. It is so powerful because there is so much different kinds of pain that people are experiencing, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, like so many different kinds. And I love that you're addressing it very specifically and providing people the resources to be able to to bring healing to themselves and, and taking them deeper in their relationship with the Lord. Well, thank you so much. We are so grateful for you coming and doing this. And I'm grateful that it was prompted because I feel like I've gotten to know you better as a friend. So what a blessing Mm -hmm. to us. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course. I really appreciate you. Like this was really awesome. I enjoyed it a lot. Isn't she just wonderful? I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. When we finished, I was just totally jazzed and excited about Jesus. So I hope you are as well. Please make sure that you are subscribed. Maybe even leave us a review if you haven't so far. We would love to see you here again whenever that is, but at the latest in January of 2023. Please be praying for us and we will be praying for you. We love you guys, appreciate you, and we'll see you in January.